You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez. Thank you so much for tuning into the AL Central. And to help us go over the AL Central, one of the OGs, one of the guys that we have brought onto the podcast several times, one of my favorite guys, Kurt Moody of the Detroit Tigers. Kurt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Alex, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to join you. Yeah, um, you're, a, you're a great talk to, a great listen, all that good stuff. I'm happy to have you on. It's just going to be us here for the first half. We do have a, uh, a new correspondent, Adam Helpin, will be joining us at the later half of this episode. But for now, we're going to talk about the Tigers. We're going to talk about the White Sox. And we're going to talk about the Minnesota Twins. And we're going to jump right into it. We don't have a lot of time. Today, to talk about other things, uh, these these systems are worth talking about in a lot of detail, I feel like. And I know you have a lot to say about your Tigers. You're going to convince everybody just how good this underrated system really is, I'm sure. <laughs> you'll say. But um, news and notes, again, I love my news and notes, but we're just going to jump right into it here because, you know, it's still the offseason. And I'm, I'm ready to talk about these systems. I'm having a lot of fun with them. So... Uh, let's start with your Detroit Tigers. Let's get them out of the way. Um, for me, not a great system, but you're going to change my mind. I'm sure of that. Isn't that true? Maybe a little bit. I wouldn't. I'm still going to be in the thing of they're not great. I do believe that some of the youth is better than some people think, but definitely not the prospect farm system that once had Scooball, Mize, Manning, Torque, and Green when we had five in the top 100. So no depth there for you. Yeah, I think that's the main thing to realize is that the system isn't bad because it's the Detroit Tigers. This system is bad because all the good guys have sort of graduated up. There's no Torque to talk about. There's no Riley Green and the others you mentioned as well. Uh, we're we're talking about guys that are much lower in the system. Nobody out, uh, you know, here in your top a couple uh, of names are going to be helping out this year. I would imagine if they are, it's going to be very, very late. These are 2024 names, 2025 names. Um, and let's start with perhaps the the most controversial thing I've seen here in the, the list we've done. That's having Jace Young tier one. Um, I, I definitely don't see him as a tier one player. But then again, I don't know too much about him, just that he's really weird. So you uh, you must believe something in this guy to... Uh, to put him here in tier one, which is quite a, quite a, a statement here. Uh, yeah, to, I agree. Yeah. It was it was quite the shock to some people that I had Jace at number one, let alone in tier one. Uh, you know, I'm blessed. I'm I'm here in based in Texas, and I've seen Jace for the last two or three years play collegiate ball 
and I see a lot of things that are the consummate of a Dustin Pedroia, Ian Kinsler, uh, you know, might not be your number one MVP votes, but they're going to get a handful here and there. Uh, I just see somebody who's well-rounded college hitter. Uh, the the thing that people have against him is he doesn't have a true defensive position. You know, Texas Tech tried him at third. They tried him in the outfield. He played more games at second than anything else. I think that's where a lot of dynasty will put him. Uh, but it's one of those things that's going to be his Achilles heel because, you know, I mentioned Kinsler and Pedroia. Those guys were great in defense. And Jace is just good at defense. But his his bat and his patience is is top tier. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play second base and now he's a third baseman or even an outfielder, if you ask me, or a DH or whatever, I mean, he's going to have to hit. But it sounds like you're confident enough that he will be a legit hitter regardless of position. Or is this assuming that he stays on the dirt, second baseman? Um, and, and with that, that's what makes him an all-star rather than he's he's going to be an all-star hitter no matter what. Does that make any sense what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, he... It does. Uh, if he were to move to one of the corners, his power would have to really increase uh, to see that kind of all-star, whether it's both in dynasty and fantasy or in real life. Uh, I think that if he's able to learn second base uh, in the system a little bit better, increase his range and just his mechanics and his feet, uh, I think he has potential to be a top hitter out of that second base position. Uh, no. One major leaguer that I that I also see, you know, Luis Arias, who just went from Minnesota to the Twins. Now, I'm not saying that Jace is going to win a batting title in the first two years he's up, but, you know, Luis Arias doesn't really have a true defensive position, but you got to find a way to put him in the lineup. Yeah, I think you meant uh, go to the Marlins, right? Marlins. What did I say? <laughs> you, he said he went from Minnesota to the Twins, which was. Oh, yeah, that would make no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. That that's a that's a great point. Now I'm looking at uh, tier one. I, I get, I'm getting on board. I do think he's the number one in the system. Although I actually would have Colt Keith up there quite a bit, just because the same sort of thing that Jace Young is, is what you're saying. I get it. You know, Young's the college bat that's uh, much well theoretically closer, although he's he's kind of in the same level as Colt Keith, but. Um, again, kind of where is he going to play? I'm not sure. He's probably not the greatest defensive player, but the bat, especially in this fall, this is what's really gotten me excited because the injury stopped him from perhaps having a breakout 2022 and the fall, he sort of picked up where he left off. Um, how close is Colt Keith to being, um, you know, let's say at a full season, how close is he to young in your mind? Or is it a pretty sizable gap? No, I don't think the gap is there at all. The only thing that Jace has on him is just that collegiate bad experience. You know, Colt is only 21 years old. So it's one of those, to your point, his his injury kind of curbed him a little bit there in the Arizona Fall League. But he was hitting almost 350 in the Arizona Fall League before that. So it's one of those, I want to see how he looks uh, – the spring and into what I would assume would be an eerie double uh, A start the season. 
Colt has the ability, he could skip double A, triple A, and at 21, 22, could be a late season call up. Uh, Especially when the Tigers are not going to be, I won't say they're not, they are projected to not be in any playoff hunt. So you got to think roster expansion in September is going to see one of the top three arms and maybe a couple of the very young bats just get their MLB debut to one, fill seats, but then two, let's see them against some of the MLB pitchers. Now I want to ask you about Wilmer Flores. You even mentioned this in your write-up that he had a huge breakout 2021. And we see this a lot with prospects, especially pitching prospects at the low levels where they have a just dominant single A, high A, whatever. And then they're like, okay, we have Yuri Perez. And this is, I'm not going to use, he's not the name I'm using, but you get somebody that you're that excited about, but then the next year they move up and it's just not quite the same dominance. Something goes wrong, whether it be an injury or uh, they walk more people and now their stock drops just as fast as it rose up the year before. So what's the deal with Wilmer Flores? I didn't follow 2022 too highly but i do remember his rapid ascension and people thinking he was a you know a top 50 top 75 prospect and uh where is he now and uh should we what's the what's this maybe a two-part question what do we do with these pitching prospects in general that have that breakout year so early but then sort of flatten out as time goes on yeah and i'm a big subscriber to the uh there is no such thing as a prospect pitcher uh, just because of that, it it fluctuates so much from year to year. I have Wilmer at number two because in 2021 he was great at high A and double A. Uh, I say great because last year I didn't even have him in my top 50. Mid season I had him, I believe, in the uh, mid teens or late teens, just because by mid season you saw something special out of him. The the biggest thing with Flores is he needs to start avoiding bats because he was given up over seven hits and nine when he got to double A. And when you give up that many hits against advanced bats and advanced batters, it's it's a recipe for trouble. Uh, you get a lot of soft contact in high A and and single A and working your way up as he gets against better competition. Uh, I believe a little bit of it will come back down to earth. Uh, I'm still high on him. I, I've seen great progression in in our pitching at uh, AA and in Toledo. I wanted to take a moment here and talk about our sponsor, Fantrax, just because of the customization that's available We run a prospects-only dynasty league here at Prospects 1500 that is just so crazy and so much fun, to be honest. And Kurt, I know you're part of this, but the possibility of doing this on another website is not possible. Like, it just cannot do it because not only do you need to have literally thousands of prospects in the system, guys that have never played, you know, above single A Dominican League, Summer League, whatever. And you also need to have the ability to limit options on who can be brought up, the plate appearances needed to be a prospect, and all sorts of other things that allow Scott to create this league for us and it run perfectly smooth without him having to be a 
commission that has to change everything manually. Like it just works the way that it's set up from the beginning. It's fantastic. If you want to run a dynasty league traditionally, it's there. Obviously, if you want to run a dynasty league that is crazy off the wall, best ball football related, we have uh, you know, a dynasty league where I have four of the major sports combined into it's just, you can do all sorts of crazy things, contracts, all that great stuff. And you can do it 365 days a year with fan tracks. So again, completely free. Let me go ahead and reiterate that it's completely free. You can import your leagues from other platforms. And perhaps the most incentive here that we can give is the ability to Put yourself in the prize pool for a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. signed jersey by using the Fantrax.com slash prospects 1500 sign up link. You will be eligible for that every time. So if you sign up, a couple different links, a couple different chances to win. And again, this is not going to be a, you know millions and millions of people joining up. It's only going to be a few people using this link. So your chances to win are very, very good, at least better than perhaps winning the lottery or something like that. I don't know. But Fantrax, again, even if you don't win that Vlad jersey, still worth it to have the best fantasy platform available to you. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I truly believe it. It's the best. So, again, check it out. Prospects 1500 after the Fantrax.com, and you will be eligible to win for every league you sign up. Now, let's get back to the top 50 AL Central. Now, we're going to talk about this when the Royals come up here with Adam, but the past as a indicator of future here with the Detroit Tigers. We had the big three with Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tariq Skubal, and we were ready to give, you know, 1A, 1B, and 1C as an ace of the Tigers. That hasn't really happened. Now, of course, there's lots of time left to go with them, but... What do we make about those three and their debuts and their trajectory now to do with the pitchers that are coming up behind them when it comes to Jackson Job and Ty Madden and even Wilmer Flores and any other guys that sort of fit that mold? Um, again, does the past sort of predict the future here with the Tigers or was that uh, do you have something to fill us in on why that might have happened? Well, I think there's two things. One, I, I completely agree with you. I think the present is going to predict the future. And I think it's good. Uh, you know, Chris Fetter, uh, Tigers p- pitching coach, has kind of put his stamp on all levels of the system. And even with Mize and Scooble, Mize injury, uh, Scooble had some some arm injuries and Manning had a, had a little bit of a dead arm towards the end. You have to understand, too, those guys are having low ERAs and high Ks pitching for a team whose offense can't score three runs a game. So you have to kind of look in between the stats and and some might say you're you're spinning the data for your own positivity. Uh, but I saw Mize and Scooball strikeouts numbers, Mize's ERA and whip um, on a team that was severely underperforming behind them and giving them support and confidence. I think that changes with the new kind of leadership and regime change within the organization. Uh, so I'm still kind of positive on those big one, two, threes you mentioned. And if Flores, Job, and Madden, and even someone uh, a little bit further back, like Reese Olson, can hop up into join those three, that's a good problem to have. Certainly. With 
me being a Braves fan, I did want to talk about Justin Henry Malloy and see what you thought of him kind of with a fresh look, because I'm sure he's not somebody that you paid too much attention to before the trade. And that was for Joe Jimenez. Um, at the time, when I first saw it, I was kind of not too happy with the deal, feeling like, you know, that was a guy that could have been up relatively quickly. And Joe Jimenez certainly doesn't have a huge track record. But um, as time went on, I sort of realized, you know what, Henry Malloy doesn't have a huge ceiling. He has sort of this good at everything, great at nothing sort of uh, profile going. But what did you take a look at when you saw him added to the Tigers organization? I see a future third baseman. Uh, I really want him to get, I don't think he breaks camp with the Tigers. I think he breaks camp with Toledo and I would love to see triple A put him at third and see if he can be a third baseman. Uh, that's a glaring hole at the big league level for the Tigers with Candelario moving on. Uh, and I love this trade. Uh, I saw Malloy in the Arizona fall league. Uh, he looks like a man amongst boys even at Arizona Fall League uh, and it's one of those the first move for the Harris uh, directed front office you know to get rid of Joe Jimenez or Jimenez which he was an all-star right he had his his ups and downs the twins basically owned him there for a little bit especially Miguel Sano but this is a trade that actually makes me think that we have somebody in charge who knows baseball Certainly not good to hear that our stud reliever is owned by Miguel Sano. So <laughs> I think I like the trade. I'm kind of back to my original thought. Um, yeah, I think he's a, he's a decent player. I think the, unfortunately what happened was that trade sort of like put him on the map. So I think people are more onto him now than they were with the Braves um, because he sort of kind of came out of nowhere in that 2021 where he just like hit at every level. He started at, high A and finished in triple A and never stopped hitting, which was impressive, but it, it definitely was not a high prospect guy going into that season. Um, is there anybody worth talking about after that name? I know you mentioned Reese Olsen, who I've liked for a while as, as well, but is there anyone below here that, you know, in deep dynasty leagues, we're looking fantasy friendly profiles, preferably a hitter. If you got a picture you want to talk about, fine, but guys that, you know, have huge ceilings, even if the risk is extremely high as well. Uh, hitter Parker Meadows. I have him at 16. Uh, I could probably make a case to, for him to be closer to 10. Uh, Meadows had a really good 2021, uh, helping Erie get into the playoffs and succeeding there. I just think he's both defensively in the, in the outfield, but he's a patient hitter and he has just effortless power. Uh, really, really high on Parker Meadows in the next year or two. Uh, He's one of those at 23, he could see a, a call from AAA come September. Uh, even deeper than that, I'm not ready to give up on Gage Workman. Uh, I have him at 36. He's he's 23. He came in with Torque uh, out of Arizona State. He can play shortstop, third, second base. He's one of those utility, you know, infielders per se that sometimes get lost in, in dynasty drafts. Uh, I'm I'm just not sold that Gage is done. That Arizona State team with Workman, Torkelson, and Hunter Bishop. <laughs> Man. And what's amazing is none of the three have panned out the way they should have. I was so high on all of them. Um, 
and now they all stink. <laughs> um, Torque doesn't. Let's. I, I just we'll finish up here with this. I know it's not prospect oriented, but these guys are still so young that you know. I want to ask you this question. I'm not talking any shit or anything like that. When I ask this question, don't take it the wrong way. But when you see Julio Rodriguez and you see Michael Harris and you see Bobby Witt and these guys come up and they do more than we thought and extraordinarily more than we thought, what does it feel like to see Riley Green and Torkelson just kind of fall on their face? And Riley Green didn't really fall on his face, but not, you know, nothing that we were hoping in your your dreams. How does that feel when other prospects are doing this? Adley Rutschman, um, another name, whereas these guys have not taken off going, you know, and what does that mean going forward for you as a Tigers fan? It hurts. Uh, I will say this about Torque. What I've heard him from him in the offseason season is really what I wanted to hear from them all last year. And that's, I've just got to tune everything out and just hit baseballs. Uh, in fact, when he was at Arizona State, he kind of had that, I guess, reputation of just kind of being, you know, torque hit ball hard. And <laughs> that's what I want out of him. Like, forget about the media, forget about, you know, slumps and and stances and just go out there and be the natural hitter that you were for years. And I think some of it is coaching changes, you know, hitting coaches at different levels, telling them little nitpicky things uh, without a firm hitting coach at the big league level with something to cascade down. But then I think some of it is just not having fun. You know, when you're not winning, you're not having fun. And when you're not having fun, you, you kind of lose that edge. Um, I'm hoping that, what we saw when he came back midseason, you know, starting the year with the big team, going back down to Toledo to try to find that swing, he came back and he was hitting almost 40 points higher. Now that 40 points higher was going from 180 to 220. Um, but I'm not like you said, they're both young. I'm I'm far from giving up or wanting to trade them for bullpen arms. Right, right. 100% in on Riley Green though, and nothing. I mean. Oh no, I think I think Riley is even I think the the last ranking I had last year I had Riley at one and Torque at two. I think Riley is is not in any trouble at all. No, me either. But Torque, let me ask you a couple of prospects that uh who would you rather? Um because Torque obviously will, you won't see him ranked and I want to know where you you value him in in terms of some of these other guys. So, we'll start with higher end guys like um, Jordan Walker. Would you rather have Walker or Torkelson? Walker. Would you rather have Miguel Vargas or Spencer Torkelson? Torkelson. What about Josh Young? Ooh, push. Okay. And what that's about... just because I want to I want to see if Josh comes back fully from that injury. He looked really good when he got called up last year. Uh, but he is one of those. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to the twins in a second. He's one of those where Josh Young just seems to be hurt. He looked okay. I don't know if he looked great. He had 38% strikeout rate. It's pretty high. 204. High. But I do like him a lot. You like the Youngs, apparently, a lot. <laughs> I I like ones that I have seen eyes on. You know, yeah. I can watch video and I can read reports. But, again, I – I get to a lot of Texas college baseball games, so I've seen them struggle and I've seen them hit. And they do like they look like they can hit. There, there's a hundred percent. I agree with you. One last name here, just because I think this is kind of where I would 
have trouble picking. Um, Tristan Cassis. Torque. Torque. Okay. So you're pretty good still on Torque. I'm I'm still, I mean, don't get me wrong. You asked me Walker and Walker. I mean, I didn't even have to blink on that one. Um, right. Right. I started high. <laughs> Casas, you know, you talk about past and future. Let's see if he can break the curse of the Dahlbeck and the Durans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would take all of those names I mentioned ahead of Torkelson. And I still, in my mind, have a lot of confidence in Torkelson. I mean, he puts some of the best college tape I've ever seen a hitter do in my entire life. Um, oh, it was just so good. Um, yeah, I think that's the limit. That's the line as I'm looking at some other names like Brett ba- Brett Beatty. I'd rather have Torque. Um, Bo Naylor, I'd rather have Torque. Stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's good to hear that a Tigers fan is still in on Torque. And that, that second half of season really has to give you some confidence. And then Riley Green's injury gives you, you know, that was just a fluke thing. Hopefully this is the year in 20. 20- 23 where we see them take that next step that those other prospects did because we want you to be happy kurt well i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) all right let's make you happy by talking about your fellow division rivals in the chicago white Sox and the minnesota twins let's do the white Sox first just because this system shouldn't take us too long although i do think there's a lot of underrated names here because of development um they have really rose up the rankings for me at least i want to hear what you think as well that you could probably get them for relatively cheap despite what their like real value might actually be in um, when it comes down the line in a few months in 2023. But uh, this, uh, this was, this list was done by Dan Victor, who's been with us for a long time. He knows these guys really, really well. Um, I know that a lot of them, he, you know, he, he meets them face to face, even hosts a few of them down in in single. I wonder if he's still doing that. Um, Couldn't have him on, but he has two tier one players here. Um, I don't know about Colson Montgomery. Oscar Colas, like, I'm okay with it. If you've seen him, and from what I've seen, I saw him at the All-Star game, uh, the Futures game, like, that guy is amazingly powerful, and he yeah. it consistently bombs. Like, I mean, it was batting practice, sure, that I saw him, but, man, it was just like, these other guys are are hitting the same batting practice pitcher, but they're not consistent like he was. It was unbelievable. But what are you think, uh, thinking on having Colson Montgomery and Oscar Colas as Tier 1 players? I, you know, for all the trash I got for having Jason tier one, that's how I feel about Colson Montgomery in tier one. I think Colson Montgomery is, is a solid prospect. This is not me slamming him. I think the only tier one in the entire White Sox system, and I ranked the White Sox 25th in our prospects, 1500, you know, farm system rankings. And I think Colas is the only tier one in the system. And yeah. to your point, he is just, He's impressive. Now, the one thing I'll say to him, is he a career DHer or can he sustain the outfield? Um, yeah. Got a good but, arm out there. I know I know that's a, another good thing about him is he can he has a rifle. Oh, he's got a rifle. Yep. But with a lot of times with that power comes a limited mobility. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what he becomes defensively. But I fear him pitching against him for the next five years. I could see a Colson Montgomery on a real life prospects list being a tier one player as a shortstop. Mm-hmm. He's going to stay there. I, but I, in a fantasy world, I don't know. I think I agree with you. Um, and the same, probably reverse it for Oscar Colas. If it wasn't a fantasy focused list, I don't think you put him in tier one at all because, you know, he could be 
Eloy Jimenez light and Eloy hasn't even been much to, you know, consistency wise. I mean, I still like Eloy a lot, but um, what's, what's crazy about Colas is he's, he might start for them like out of spring training. Yep. That's how, how close he is. And, um, and to your, to your point, the, the one that is the amazing name to me, but isn't for dynasty or fantasy. I love Jordan Sprinkle. I think that pick in the fourth round this year was sneaky good. Um, but he's not going to light up a box score. You're going to have Jordan Sprinkle play just amazing defense and be okay on the plate. Uh, but in the fourth round to get that talented of a defensive player uh, is is nice for the White Sox. Yeah, and the White Sox, you know, this system was so bad a year ago, and then the rise of Oscar Colas, and then uh, we'll get to him in a second here. Brian Ramos is another guy, and then the drafting of Colson Montgomery sort of retooled the system. Um, there's not a lot of openings, and this is a team that thinks it's a competitor. I know last year was not a good example of that, but I still think the White Sox are very capable of making a run. I'm mm-hmm. sure they think that as well. And, you know, you have Luis Robert, Andrew Benatende they signed. You have Eloy, Gavin Sheets. You have uh, Andrew Andrew Vaughn finally might be able to play every day and not have a manager who benches him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. With Tim Anderson, Johan Moncada's got to start. I mean, you have second base open and, you know, there's not a lot of spots. And it definitely seems like if something is going, you know, if, if it's on track with what the White Sox want, that these guys are very highly tradable, you know, like they're, they're yep. out the door, which is not a bad thing for dynasty value, but just keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Brian Ramos, another guy that I think you can get for relatively cheap. And I would actually put him probably second in this system. I wouldn't put him tier mm-hmm. one. I'd probably put him after Colas. I think that he has a very similar um, kind of trajectory that Colas had where he just kind of blew up. He's done nothing but hit. He has sensational um, power for his age. I think he was tied for the second most home runs or might be even tied for the yeah. first home run for a 20-year-old in the minors. Uh, 22 home runs as a 20-year-old is no joke. And historically speaking, if you're having that sort of power with the the nice slash line that he also goes with it, there is a future for you in the major league. So what do you think about Brian Ramos? Do you have him number two? Would you? Uh, I'd I'd have him either two or three. Uh, I'd actually put him ahead of Colson Montgomery because uh, I'm with you. 20 years old with 22 home runs, and then he got up to Double A and only had maybe, gosh, a month at Double A, where he also was hitting home runs. So it's one of those when you can bump up a level at 20 years old. Uh, and let's not kid ourselves: the pitching and pitch difficulty going from high A to double A. I mean, there's a lot of people even within our prospects 1500 who think double A is where the better baseball is. Uh, So to be able to maintain that slash uh, through the promotion, I'm with you. Brian Ramos is is probably two on this list behind Colas, maybe a push with Jose Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Um, But... After that, honestly, the system does get pretty bad really quickly after that. I mean, Lennon Sosa mm-hmm. was a guy that had a nice breakout year and even made the big leagues, although he looked completely overmatched. Well, not completely. I guess he looked okay. But 
after that, like, it, there's really nobody. I mean, you mentioned Jordan Sprinkle, who I hadn't I'd done too much research on, so I'll trust you on that. But after that, like, there's not much here, and this is why we rank it so low. Yep. I wouldn't worry about any of these guys down low. I, I'm not even a guy like, hey, take a chance on, you know, the, West Camp or something down here. But uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of anything after this. Like, it's really bad after. The, the, the one bad. pitcher the one pitcher who I'd keep an eye on coming into the beginning of the year is Peyton Pallett out of, uh, there's their draft pick out of Arkansas had Tommy John surgery, his senior year at Arkansas, uh, probably was going to be a top quarter of a first round pick, uh, if he wouldn't have had that Tommy John. So Tommy John, as we know, is not the death wish that it used to be. So I, I'd at least keep an eye to see what he starts his first month of the year at, uh, and see how that recovery is because that that guy's got a very lively arm and probably four to five pitches he can throw. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good call there. Um, very informative. I like those guys. Well, I don't know. There's not a huge amount of history, but like you said, TJ isn't what it used to be, but at the same time, like it's not like these guys have proven it at the professional yep. level as well. So there's a lot of risk, but certainly you know, a guy that was going to be drafted in the first round that has the Tommy John, you could still consider him to be that. I mean, it's just as risky, if not more so, but a good thing to uh, to keep in mind. Now let's move on to the Minnesota Twins. This is where we really disagreed on our system rankings. I'm actually pretty high on the Twins, and I'm, I'm interested to see why you're a little bit lower. I think that, you know, Royce Lewis definitely is a an elite type of prospect. For me, in my eyes, where, you know, injuries have come out uh, now, to be fair, it's the same injury, which is very concerning. And it's no joke when it's your ACL and it's the same leg. But, um, you know, if, if he was already showing he can hit major league hitting, he's fantastic. He's, you know, if he's healthy, he's an elite prospect for me. Um, love Brooks Lee as well. I thought that was a fantastic pick for them. And even guys down a little bit lower, like Edward Julian is a nice, uh, he had a breakout 2022. Mm -hmm. You have Austin Martin, people forget about. (laughs) Matt Wallner, I saw at the Futures game, had incredible batting practice. I mean, after Colas and Jansky Noel, it was Matt Wallner that impressed me the most out of guys that, you know, were not Ellie De La Cruz and those those types. So I I like this Matt Canarino. If he could stay healthy, he is like the best pitching player prospect in the game unfortunately we can't turn injuries off and therefore he's down here but um pretty decent system what are your thoughts after i said all those good things uh clearly you're not as high on some of these guys so why did you rank it a little bit lower um in your rankings uh so i had them 21 out of out of the mlb teams and it's truly because i'm i'm not sold on royce lewis uh I think that Brooks Lee is the top prospect in this in this system. Uh, and full respect for Dave, I understand why he has Royce at one. Uh, but Royce Lewis seems to be the prospect who's just potentially the pros or perpetually the prospect. Uh, I I I've never seen Royce Lewis live. Uh, I have to disclose that I've never seen a lot of just amazing tape though on on Royce either. I do think Brooks Lee is a tier one prospect. Uh, I'll respectively give 
disagree with Dave, but then come give the twins a tier one prospect. I think Brooks Lee is going to be phenomenal. And Brooks Lee could be someone who's quickly into the major leagues. Um, after that, I agree with Edward Julian. Uh, seeing him in the Arizona Fall League, I will not hold the Arizona Fall League home run derby against him where he put up a goose egg. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those. I think Julian is a is a stud at second base, and they have to believe high in him if they would get rid of the batting champion. Um, yeah. So there's something that they believe in this system to kind of put the trades forward. Kind of the same way people people poke at the Tigers. You know, Alex Kirilov used to be a number one prospect for the Twins. Um, I just there's there's some injury systemic injuries in their prospects that yeah that hurt me. You know, Buxton was the number one MLB prospect what five years in a row, and I don't think he's played one full season in the major leagues. Uh, then you have Royce who tears an ACL and then comes back and re-tears the same ACL. That is, if this was any sport but standing and hitting a baseball and he's at a defensive position at shortstop or, you know, one of the corner outfields, he he has to be able to pivot and run with zero limitations. And I I just... I wish the best for the kid, even within our division. I would love to see Royce Lewis prove me wrong and turn out to be a perennial all-star MVP, t- MVP type. I just, I, I'm at the point of giving up on it. The injuries are concerning. I mean, you mentioned those two, Kirloff and Buxton. Trevor Larnick also is another name that was a very highly ranked prospect who dealt with a lot of injuries last year. And these injuries, like, like take away a lot of the value because it seems like when they're out there after recovering from these injuries, they're taking a long time to get back to being good mm-hmm. with Trevor Larnick. Like he came back and just was not the same. Kirilov hasn't been what we ever thought he was going to be because of the, the wrist injuries are scary. Uh, but then you have somebody like Jose Miranda who is taking that Edward Julian approach just to kind of, year or two ahead of him where he breaks out and then he makes it to the majors and he's pretty damn good and no injuries at all. So I'm not sure what to make about all of this. It's probably just random coincidence on, on these injuries, but yeah, Royce Lewis, you could turn the injuries off. You know, you have an absolute stud, but it's hard to ignore two ACL injuries. Like how do you even tear your ACL in baseball? It's like difficult to do once. Imagine doing it twice the same way. But um, another name, I think that um, a lot of people have injuries come here as well. It's Emmanuel Rodriguez, where he was on that, you know, upper level Anthony Volpe type of ascension into elite prospectum. And then an injury ends him, but people are still going over those 47 games where he was just uh, sensational 57 walks and eight steals or 11 steals in 47 games power discipline everything you could want so like that's a tier one player as well but the injuries scare you off so in, in my mind you couldn't have three like tier one players and you could have zero at the same time and he's only 19 that's the beauty of emmanuel rodriguez is yes he had that knee injury but he's 19 you know royce lewis is 23 and i'm not saying that's old by any sense of the means in a major league baseball player career It's just at 19, I have more faith that you can heal and get back to 100% more than 23. Uh, 
the names that scare me on this list are those that came over in that Barrios trade with Toronto. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin. Let's not forget what type of player Austin Martin was just a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, a lot of people had him in a tier one or tier two ranking until, you know, he had a bad season, bad season and a half. Uh, and he slid and rightfully so, but I still look at that trade for Jose Barrios and it makes somebody within the division as a Detroit Homer and Detroit fan, you can tell they have a GM who knew what the hell he was doing and, and what he wanted back in a trade. With Austin Martin, like there's no explanation for it. With the other guys we mentioned, there's the injury, which is concerning to be sure when everybody's getting injured. But at least you have an explanation. With Austin Martin, you had no real explanation. Nope. Just a guy with contact skills that forgot how to use them, and then the power and speed sort of have evaporated. I'm just over Austin Martin at this point. I don't think you're I'm, you're not alone. Yeah. I do like Matt Waldner, though, and I want to get back to him a little bit because I think he's extremely underrated where he's already been to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, And the outfield is certainly nothing to uh, scare you. If you're a prospect and playing time is on your eyes, you have Joey Gallo and Max Kepler to compete with, with Trevor Larnick, Alex Kirilov, and Brian Buxton or uh, Byron Buxton that when they're on, I'm sure they're they're starters, but. They have never been on for a consistent amount of time. So playing time is out there. And Matt Walner is like the next guy up as an outfielder. And he has great, huge, amazing power. And uh, don't forget about Matt Walner. I think that, you know, one of those guys go down or Joey Gallo is continuing what Joey Gallo was last year. Matt Walner, 25 homer upside, just easy. No problem if he can get some playing time. So uh, another name to look out for. So, that, you know, when I look at these names, and you can go back down to Matt Canarino at 11, um, you know, I thought, you know, all those are, that's a solid top 10. It does kind of tail off at the end of it. Uh, not a lot of names that I love here at the end, but, you know, what's his mm-hmm. that? Um, I know, you know, Urbina had some helium. Keanu Cavaco was highly thought after when he was drafted. Um, I always liked Kale Rosario. None of those guys have done much. So, yeah, the system depth isn't there, but I thought that the top 10 are solid enough to be in like the mid range. I think I had them at 14 or 15, something like that. Yep. So, I think the all, you know, all the prospects, we had them at 18 overall. Yeah. It all hinges on your thoughts on Royce Lewis. Like, I'm not going to let the injury potentially scare me off from a guy that could be an elite fantasy contributor. Um, I'd rather be wrong that way than like, Oh, he's injured. He's never going to be good, and then be wrong that direction. If that makes yeah. any sense, like I'd rather well, you, bet on the injuries figuring themselves out as he matures and hope that they're freak injuries than the other way around. The the other thing that I guess mentally hit me on Royce was, don't get me wrong. If you can sign Carlos Correa, you do. Twenty nine of the thirty teams, but well, twenty eight, twenty eight, not 28. the Giants. 28 of the 30 teams and <laughs> it's it's still tough because if you have the number your number one prospect in the system don't you want to save that money elsewhere if you believe in that prospect at short yeah and yeah, that was that's a whole other conversation we could have oh, like absolutely Rhea going back to the team that knows him the best uh, they got a huge 
discount on him. You, you couldn't be more right, though, Alex. If you're the fourth or fifth outfielder for the Twins, you probably play 80 games a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Michael Taylor, Nick Gordon, guys, Matt, you know, there's oh, just man, not much. Nick, Nick Gordon. Talk about a name that, man, just from a hobby aspect, I remember chasing Nick Gordon cards. <laughs> in releases thinking that guy was going to be awesome. It seems all over the place. Like they could win the division and they could be the worst team in the division as well. Like who well, knows? in contrast to the White Sox, you know, we just got done talking about the White Sox major league lineup. That White Sox team could win 95 games and you wouldn't be shocked. On, on the contrast, you could have the twins and that team could win 75 and you probably wouldn't be shocked. It's it's really up in the air almost every year for the last yeah. few years in that central. Yeah, with the like every other division, it's so obvious who the favorite is, and you know who the worst team is. Like every division, you can figure that out. But with this division, you could be so wrong. It's crazy. I think I had the White Sox going to the ALCS. I think David had them like winning the central, mm-hmm. and they were like the what the third fourth worst team in the division it's crazy and lo, the Royals, and behold, lo and behold the guardians are your are your slow yeah. and steady and youngest yeah the youngest team in the in major league baseball you know they're yep. we're supposed to do that it doesn't make any sense so <laughs> clearly the tigers will win the al central in 2023 that's all we have to say about that hey the ML, mlb's future world series they already changed it for 2025. I think 2025 was the year that the Tigers were supposed to play the Braves or something like oh. that. I'd have to pull that graphic up. Every year they put the Tigers in like four years from now. <laughs> and it's always shifted to four years from the next year. Yeah. Well, oh. Kurt, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll go ahead and let you go. We'll take a break here. But uh, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and anything that you want to advertise before we take a break here you bet uh so you can follow detroit det underscore guru underscore kurt k-u-r-t on twitter uh for all of your detroit tiger minor league some college baseball tournaments coming up so uh starting in two weeks we'll have three straight weeks of college baseball tournaments from the state of Texas all up and down my feed. So really excited to see LSU and Louisville and TCU and some of the uh, top college ranked teams in the next month here in the great state of Texas. Love it. February and already we're starting to play some baseball. It's better than nothing for sure. Exciting. It's on the way. So Uh, Kurt, thanks for coming on. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here, and we're going to come back with Adam Halpin for the Kansas City Royals, talk a little bit more and finish up the AL Central. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
And we're back. Futures Focus here. My name again, Alex Sanchez. And now joining me is a brand new correspondent. I'd like to introduce him to the world, making his uh, podcast debut. And he just had his first article here on the site for the Kansas City Royals, Adam Halpin. Adam, thanks for joining us and welcome to the team here at Prospects 1500. Hey, thanks, Alex. Good to be here. Yeah, um, I just wanted to, you know, get your lowdown on what goes into the top 50 because we've had, you know, people give their their methods and stuff, but your debut article, your first article here on the site, um, how was that? Was it like more work than you expected? Was it difficult finding 50 names, especially with a system like the Royals, which of course we'll get into, not not perhaps the deepest system, but how was that experience for you as a, as a first timer here? It was challenging for sure. I, I, I have a few buddies who... Uh, we talk about baseball nearly every day uh, from high school and um, which was a very long time ago. <laughs> and we, we talk about prospects and we talk about um, every team's, every team's top, you know, 10 to 20, depending on, you know, the conversation. But um, it was interesting to dig into Kansas cities because I knew a good deal of them um, but I also discovered a lot. I had about 75 names that I ended up uh, considering for the top 50. So about, I would say about two thirds of which I was familiar with and about one third was new to me. But um, yeah, it, it's, it being the first article, I, I will, I think my my history with putting together lists like this is that my buddies will ask me questions and they know that I'm, I'm the most obsessed of the group with uh with prospects and rankings and, and, and digging into data and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I put together lists for them. If they're like, who do you like this, this guy or this guy? And, and, and is this, this org's, you know, developmental structure, like what, how do you think of them? And so it was a good foundation to do a, uh, an article like this as my first, because while it was a ton of work and I didn't want to um, spare any analysis, I, uh, it was, it was good to sort of get to know the system this way. So it was a good jumping off point. Yeah. You know, it, and I'll let you give the intro to the, the system in general here, but looking at this, uh, the rankings you have here and some of these names, it does remind me of our, uh, team that we did last week, which if you haven't checked that out, it's, we did a deep dive on the NL West, but the Colorado Rockies, a bunch of names on there, which, you know, if you somewhat follow prospects, you're going to recognize a lot of the names and you're going to notice how they have fallen down the ranks. And this system, too, reminds me a lot of that with guys like, you know, Asa Lacey and uh, Eric Pena, who fell off entirely of your top 50. Like these were guys that were the next big thing. And, and that's kind of how I've noticed this system is guys sort of uh, have not developed as they were thought uh, they were going to. And I'll give you a chance here now as well to sort of give you the lowdown on the system as a whole. Is it on the rise? Is it kind of falling down? Do you have confidence in this? It's a it's a whole bunch of names here that are interesting in good ways and bad ways. So give me your take. I think there's no doubt that the that the the org you know, since they've graduated Bobby Witt and Vinny Pasquantino, Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, it's clearly not as top heavy and and strong as it was last uh, this time last year but i will say that um this the bright spot in this organization is uh on the offensive side where they have they have uh put together 
quite a, a good, I would say a good foundation to la the last couple of years uh, and who they graduated. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of hitters to be excited about. Um, the first five, um, the f my second tier uh, of gr a group of guys is Cross, Tyler Gentry, M Michael Garcia, Nick Lofton, and Caden Wallace. That's its own tier for me, and those are all hitters. And I think I did that mostly because the the pitching development group has struggled so much and so notably that I just I, I couldn't trust putting any of them, even ones who were recently drafted as Frank Mazzucato or Ben Caderna. I just I didn't feel confident enough um, giving them like, you know, what I, what I would consider like a 50 future value, sort of like a regular. Um, these are guys who could put it together, but I think a lot of it has to do with what, where the, the direction of the org um, how they're handling the pitching development in the future. And, you know, to be frank, I, I I want to be confident that they can figure this out because most, many orgs, I wouldn't say most, but many orgs have really figured out how to make, you know, lower ranked prospects or guys who were drafted after the 10th round, you know, viable. The Yankees do this all the time, right? But for some reason, the Royals can't, and listen, you can't blame Asa Lacey's back or this stuff on on the Royals development per se, but this seems to be happening a lot. People will come here from different orgs and will struggle. And hopefully it's not, that's not a long-term problem, but uh, it, if you look purely even at, at the, at the numbers, at the, at the stat lines from a lot of these arms, and these are guys who are, I'm not even talking teenagers. I'm talking people who are in their early in, in mid twenties, like Jonathan Bolin and these a lot of these arms have not taken a step forward yet, and I'm still optimistic that some of them can. I don't want to write them off, but when you're putting together a list, I certainly can't feel with this organization's track record. I can't feel confident that these um, that these players, you know, if I look at someone's like Ben Caderna's, if I look at some of his his um, his struggles or the things that he needs to work on, I can't be like, oh, well, they're gonna they're gonna notice this and they're gonna fix this and because there's just no track record to prove that they've they've done anything like that. You know, they've had some pop-up guys. Uh, Angel or Angel Zerpa has popped up and has looked has looked decent and looks like he could be a, a fifth starter or a swing man or a multi-inning relief pitcher. But, you know, they, they have a lot of arms. So they're certainly not without <laughs> uh, guys who could put it together. But um, it's just a big it's just a big question mark as to who it might be. Yeah, you mentioned wanting to believe in them, but the track record speaks much louder than what you hope or could even predict going forward. There's just no reason to think that things are going to change anytime soon when you take a look at, you know, Daniel Lynch, Chris Bubik, guys that have just stalled out. Um, you know, you have Singer, who has seemingly kind of been that ace now um, established or at least an ace considering who else is yeah. around him. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, for fantasy purposes, I mean, you just don't even bother with them right now. Um, I remember getting Mazzucato really, really late in drafts, uh, just to say you could get a first rounder and like the fifth round of your first year player draft was fun. But yeah, mm -hmm. like they're just not worth gambling on right now until even if like you said, Zerpa could possibly be that fifth starter, but you know, the, what are the peripherals going to be like? The team's still sort of not like guaranteed to be a good place to get wins. And who knows how long he can even last to get a quality start. 
Um, but right. on the flip side of that, as you know, as negative it we're sounding here, the positives in terms, I mean, you get a lot of headway when you graduate somebody like Witt and then Pascantino as well, who they developed the crap out of those guys. Let's be honest. Yeah. The, the future is very exciting. So um, it does make sense to sort of focus on these position players. So give me, you know, you mentioned those five in your tier two, no tier one players, which I a hundred percent agree with to me. This is actually like a bottom five system. I think I put them 26th or 27th when we ranked our organizations. I'm sure you probably put them a little bit further up because you're, you know, they're your organization. You know them better than I do, but uh, well, let me ask you that in terms of if you had to put in, uh, where did you rank? Did you happen to rank them? I our, did. Uh, I did. I'm looking now. I put them. I was not uh, very generous. Uh, where did I put them? 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I think I had 26 or 27. So we're, we're in agreement there. But, you know, these names at the top, Gavin Cross, Gentry, and Garcia, and Lofton, and and Caden Wallace are guys that, they're not big names, but can they give you big-time performances going forward in the fantasy realm? I imagine they're probably not difficult to acquire, maybe even to be picked up. Like, I'm sure, uh, you know, Gentry is out there, perhaps, you know, Lofton is out there as well in some dynasty leagues. So are these guys uh, potentially good fantasy plays going forward? It's tricky because I would say they could be. Uh, I, I think uh, with with Gentry and and Garcia and Lofton, these are guys who have generally very good bats of ball skills, and that's one thing that Kansas City has done is that if you look down this list, um, there are tons of guys with double digit walk rates, just straight like all the way down. And of course, that doesn't always translate, but it's showing that what what the the emphasis they're putting on uh, these these hitters. Uh, and the and the kind of guys they like, generally speaking. So uh, those are it's it's like line drive guys. Of course, there's some more of a defense power with some than others, but um, just line drive approach, bat to ball, and that's a really good foundation. So I will say that um, Cross to me is if we're talking first year player draft, he's probably around like anywhere from pick, depending on what. Who, what, what you've got, pick eight to pick 12, I would say, is probably in there um, for me. And uh, Gentry, I like a lot, but you just don't, they, they almost feel like the, the, the guys who are a year ahead of them or two years ahead of them are, are going to get the first shot. So those guys have to fail, you know, Drew Waters and Kyle Isbell, and have to, they have to fail before Gentry. And um, and with Lof- in Lofton's case, I mean, it's possible he makes the opening day roster, but there, you know, there's Samad Taylor and Michael Massey who just graduated who are ahead of him. So things would have to go wrong for for those guys to get run in 2023. But, you know, these are these are players because the system is sort of looked at in a certain way, I believe, by most people in um, in baseball that they're not sexy. It's not like a sexy system for people. So there is a way to get sneaky, sneaky value out of these guys. Uh, and even in deep leagues, I think. Yeah. I, I really like Nick Lofton and, and Michael Massey, who's not a prospect technically, I guess, but like those guys, one of them's probably going to be playing every day. Um, I'm going to, I'm assuming Massey and he didn't have a bad debut by any means. And Lofton has been really successful, like his entire time in the minors, but nobody ever talks about him because he was probably older than your, yes. you know, he, you, you thought a prospect should be. He's 24 right now. 
But, you know, if they're playing and, you know, Michael Garcia is sort of like this too, where like, if, as long as they're up and playing in the big leagues, like in dynasty leagues, there's a lot of leagues out there where that's valuable. It doesn't matter. They're even performing great. If they're at league average and they're getting every day at bats, certainly they're there for you. Um, yeah. And you want that foundation too. Like I think what Garcia, you might look at Garcia's line and you're like, well, this isn't exciting. Like it's not, you know, there's nothing like really stand that, that stands out. But if you think about deep leagues and you think about the position, I mean, he could, he could move to, to second. He can play anywhere. Cause he's really, he really is a true shortstop. You know, there's a chance if someone gets injured, I mean, his, his foundational skills as a hitter and he doesn't chase, I mean, those are a good way to build, you know, it's a good, it's a good foundation to build upon. So he's, he's, you know, exciting as in, insofar as, um, someone with not like huge over the fence power or 80 grade speed has. Yeah. So I was looking at your comments. You had a lot of comments for a typical post here and a lot of them were about. <laughs> so I was, so I was told after the fact, I mean, I literally yeah. wrote, I wrote a comment on, on everybody. Yeah, that was great. Everybody. Awesome. I love that. But like Scott said, Scott was like, okay, we're going to take, we'll, we'll, we can shorten some of these. And he actually wants me to write another whole article about the state of the system. I think just because I had so much, um, I wanted to share. <laughs> so yeah, no, anyway, that's, that, that's great. It's just surprising. Like how many people were interested in a 26th or 27th rank system? Because <laughs> these are names that were pretty big. Like mentioned earlier, Eric Pena, some people were having him in the top 100 conversation after he was signed. And then you have, yeah. as a Brace fan, I remember CJ Alexander being, you know, somebody that was going to come up and, and hit a lot of bombs. Um, Sherwin Newton, the, the former Met Ranger, mm-hmm. I want to say too. Uh, great signature. If you've ever seen a signature on a Bowman card, it's unbelievably amazing. Go check that. Google that if you have not. Um, he's another name you recognize. Daniel Vasquez got a huge love as well. But like, I'm, I'm not wanting to know like why they're off your system. But the fact that you have, you know, you have put them off does show like they take big names. And why is this happening? Why are they yeah. performing? Any idea? Yeah. Well, I think with with Pena, if you, with Pena, with Vasquez, I mean, obviously these guys are still young. There's still plenty of room. You know, this is not this is not you know uh, carved in cement here, but they haven't hit yet. So I'm going to I'm going to favor and I'm going to highlight people who have hit, and um, try not to just um, put someone on the list for you know their signing bonus. And it doesn't mean that they can't you know. Mid-season, you know, if Daniel Vasquez can show that he can hit, he hasn't had over like a, I, don't, I think he's been below the Mendoza line for both seasons. Uh, then it's something you you take into consideration because he can really he can really pick it at short. So, um, CJ Alexander, it's sort of like the same as um, it basically it was between him. You look at someone like Brewer Hicklin, it's like a similar profile, but Hicklin's older. And closer to making an impact, so I decided to include him instead. So you know, I was just trying to sort of also spread the wealth a little bit with um, pitchers and hitters, different levels, and um, the people who were at the lower levels. I really wanted to highlight some statistical and interesting sort of people that may have not been heard of, because like you said, this is uh, not a coveted system. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, like. I'm looking at these ages, like everybody's so old. 
Um, Isn't that like wild? The average age is like 23, 24 with a lot of 26-year-olds. Where are the international, you know, Jackson, Cheerio, Acunas that are 18, 19-year-olds that are going to just blow up? I don't – where is everybody here? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, since Pena, I wonder if it was like, okay, we're taking a little bit of a step back here. Um, and I think that that's not necessarily a, a right decision, but – um, you know, they've, they've, they've made some purchases. Didn't they, didn't they go out and get, I forget who they got in 20. I don't remember now. Um, but I do have a couple, I've highlighted a couple guys here. Um, one, uh, where is my, my list? But like, there's a guy named Javier Vaz who was picked in the 15th round in 20 this, this year. He's a college guy. Um, but you know, when you look at these ages, too, it's it's hard to ignore the fact that the pandemic really, like, just screwed up so much of development. So you're looking at these these ages, and it just seems like, wow, he's 24 in, in AA, and, like, what is, what's taking so long? He should be ready. But it's like you have to sort of – you can't ignore the year, but you sort of have to take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't have the same sort of weight that it used to. Now – as we uh, talked about how this is a system that seems to demoralize pitching prospects, let's go ahead and talk about another system that does the opposite, where they seem to have every pitching prospect that plays above their weight class and somehow becomes the next great thing, and that is the Cleveland Guardian system. So we go from, a you know, no offense to your Royals, but definitely a bottom tier system to perhaps some of the best. Now, I, I'm interested in what your thoughts are. Um, this is a system where I first, when I first take a look at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a solid system. It's a definitely a top 10 ish 15. And then I start looking at all of these names and how deep it is. And, you know, taking a look at some of these tier three names, I, I don't know, you know, this is Sean Clancy who I tried, wanted to get him on the podcast too. He just wasn't available, but like, there's a lot of players that I would bump up from his tier three to tier two. So to me, after I looked at it a little bit closer, I was like, okay, this is like a top six or seven system, maybe even higher than I could see people getting crazy two and three. So the Cleveland guardians, uh, you know, in division rivals to the Royals, what are your thoughts on their system? Um, just how good is it in your mind? That's interesting. You say that um, I ranked them number two. Because I, I think that they have profound – I think that their ability to develop pitching is um, astounding. And it's like if you don't know who you want to take, who you want to take a flyer on, or when you look at um, they, who they draft and you think, oh, they have a type typically that they draft. They're like, well, they're going to add – in a year, they're going to add five miles an hour. <laughs> like yeah. just – to their fa- to his fast fastball and and it's just incredible. Uh, so I, I think I I look at an, an Indian uh, excuse me Guardians player Guardians player in the system and I just automatically bump them up in my brain just because of what they've been able to do with their development. The one thing I will say, um, going just briefly going back when you you asked me about young players, I just looked at my list. The two people I will mention if you're looking for like sort of deep deep super deep deep deep. Um, leagues there's a a player that was uh drafted in the 20th round named austin charles who is a, a shortstop and right-hand pitcher who it looks like they're going to keep him at, at short 
but he can he can like touch 95 and he's really really interesting it's a very long-term project but he's 6'6 and uh he's very interesting uh as a as a as a talent and uh the other player who i think should be just you know looked at and kept in the back at back of your mind is um uh where did i who did i have out here i wanted to point out where is he Oh, um, this pitcher, and he's not young, but it's a pitcher named Noah Cameron. And if you go and look at his numbers, um, he's a 23-year-old lefty. And he was only in high A, but he was drafted and, and had Tommy John right out of the draft. And he just, he's sort of like deception and, uh, you know, he's not, he's not like touching 98 or anything like that. But he's really, really interesting. And his K rates are insane. Um, and he's someone to keep an eye on for uh, for this coming season. So um, with the with the Guardians, yeah, like you said, looking at tier three, which I'm looking at right now, like Cody Morris at 11, who I I love, and it's crazy to think that he's 11 in this system, and I, I've actually seen him ranked lower in some systems, and it's like they're so flush with talent that. You know, he's currently listed on roster resources like their long man, <laughs> you know, yeah. like their spot starter. And he's like, you know, other than other than having like an injury history, he's like ready to go and be a, a starter and almost every other team. You know, it's it's just incredible what the, what they're what they're capable of. And it's, yeah, uh, these like pitchers, 10 guys they could they could throw on right now. Yeah, the, the pitchers are just wild. Like Espino has the chance to be like the number one starter. Gavin Williams has yes, a chance yeah. to be number one starter. Like you said, yep. they seem to develop better stuff as we go. What's interesting to me is like how similar some of the position players are with Brian Rocchio, with uh, Gabriel Arias, with Angel Martinez and friend of the podcast, Tyler Freeman. Like they're all the same player, just like some of them switch hit and some of them don't. Yep. None of them have a lot of power and they all play on the infield. So they all can't play on the infield, especially when you already have um, a couple of great infielders in uh, Jose Ramirez and uh, Andres Jimenez. Like you only have one more spot really. <laughs> and I don't know where they're all yeah. going to play and they all kind of do the same thing. So it's whoever arrives first um, out of those guys, like the light, not none of the power guys, none of the outfielders do any of those guys stand out in your mind. Um, you know, Sean has them really ranked far apart. Rocchio is at four. Angel Martinez is at 10. Gabriel Arias is at number six. Um, and then uh, obviously Freeman, I don't think he has ranked. Um, although I think Freeman probably stood, still has like eligibility, but. Um, he didn't rank him. Yeah. yeah. So he, I'm assuming that's because he was graduated for right. him. But um, in your mind, like. Or anybody else I didn't mention that maybe I, I forgot to to talk about like Jose Tina probably fits. Jose Tina, yeah, it's it's uh, tough. I mean they they love they you're right they do love a certain type of up the up the middle talent which you know from a value perspective and trade value uh, makes a lot of sense. They're developing these players well, and like just looking at just some of the write ups, it's you know it's it's contact glove, mm-hmm. you know anywhere from 10 to 20 homers from depending on the, the, the player. I, I really like, uh, 
is it Angel or An- Angel Martinez? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I think he's, I think he's interesting. Um, I just like his contact profile, but I also think he has pop. Like, I I would say Freeman is probably more of a second baseman. Um, so it's possible that who do they have playing second base this year? Who do they have slated to start? Uh, I will tell you right now. They have uh, – they got Ahmad Rosario at short and Andres Jimenez at second. Oh, they have Jimenez Jose at second. At, Ramirez at third, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, I still don't really believe in Rosario. I mean, he could – I mean, he could be okay and he could also fall off in my eyes. But Yeah, there's, there's like, obviously, like, massive risk with him. But, I mean, all three of them were great last year. So – you know, you have to just, you don't want to hope anything, but you have to sort of have them as insurance. And there's no reason to not have them as insurance because they're all, Rokio's 22, Arias is 22, Angel Martinez is 21, Jose Tan is 21. It's just like, they're they're so rich. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost hard to, to pick, but uh, I do like Martinez a lot. Yeah. I, I'm Mart- not sure Arias is going to be able to hit um, like the others. I still but, like Rokio a lot. I think he's yeah, my preferred. Yeah, I do too. This, the, the beauty is that, like, even though they're infielders, they should be able to play the outfield if need be. And there's a DH involved, although they got both Bo and Josh Naylor that are probably taking up those positions for the foreseeable future. But, yeah, if you want to make this team, you should be an outfielder because they haven't had outfielders in years. <laughs> It's been yeah, and why don't bad. they move? Why why wouldn't they move one of these guys to sign? I'm sure they you will. Know? I mean, they might. I'm sure they will. Yeah, but I mean, you you look at the outfield right now. You have Stephen Kwan, who was a revelation last year for sure. Uh, he's mm-hmm. definitely playing most of the time. Perhaps you can platoon him. But Miles Straw and Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, Oscar Gonzalez was okay, I guess, uh, last year. Um, but certainly a one-hit wonder possibility. Not to offend anybody, but you know, we've seen guys like him come and go. But yeah. one of these prospects. But the problem is they also have a their best prospect who plays the outfield, and that's George Valera, who I absolutely love. And I think if you can get him for relatively cheap, you should do so now. I've seen him, you know, trend downwards the last couple of years just because his progress hasn't been super rapid. But he has a phenomenal swing. He has one of those uh, swag type of attitudes that just – Ooze confidence and he's fun to watch. He's loose. Um, he knows what he's doing and he just hasn't exploded at any level yet, but he has not failed at any level yet. And I certainly think this is the year we, we see him in the majors, but um, yeah, I still like him a lot. Uh, are you in or are you out on George Valera? I, I'm in. I, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, um, but that, that doesn't matter. I, I think that he he doesn't have, you know, a lot ahead of him to to leapfrog. I'm just looking at Oscar Gonzalez's page, and I remember him having like a crazy. Um, so he had a 122 WRC plus and 382 plate appearances. Uh, he had a 3.9% walk rate, but he still only struck out just under 20% of the time. But you know, he's running a 3.45 BABIP, which is not insane, but it's certainly high. You know, I think he's going to get a shot, but someone like this with this approach, you know, it's like he has a bad month and up comes Valera. You know, they'll give someone else a shot. 
Mm-hmm. So, I agree, hundred percent. Absolutely. I, I don't know when Valero will make it. Like if if Gonzalez plays fine and they're you know in the driver's seat in that division, which they should be, is Valero up in June? Um, I don't know. I, I again, there's there's not much ahead of him to block him if if he's lighting the world on fire because he just got promoted to AAA at the end of the year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think this year would be the would be the year, and I guess my 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 thought will be if he, if he's adjusted and he looks good that he's up in June. Yeah. I mean, I just see like there's so many ways that these prospects can make it. It's like Stephen Kwan, yeah, great story, doesn't strike out, but just one thing has to go wrong for him, and now he's a you know a a fringe player, a fourth outfielder type of. I I mean, I hope that doesn't happen because he's such a cool player in this modern day and age, but same time, it doesn't do anything like remarkably well besides just always make contact. And if he loses that, then he's done. So you mm-hmm. just have to, you know, kind of get to the to the big leagues that way if you're on the Guardians. And you know, like you said, you can go down this list. Let's you know, just rapid fire here because yeah. we're we're going really long. Um, for how I, you know, I promise <laughs> I would keep you. But you know, John Kensey Noel down there in tier three, I'd put him in tier two. I saw him at the Futures game. That guy is mammoth. He was hitting balls farther than anybody except Oscar Collis was the only other guy that hmm. were hitting it to like to the top of Dodger Stadium. And, all. you know, the other prospects who have all this power, you know, like Churio and Jordan Lawler and all these great guys were like hitting them out for sure. But like a couple sure. rows, but Noel and Collis were just bombing them out. He is huge and he's going to strike out a ton as well. But I think he's a big leaguer, um, you know, guy, Will Brennan, he had it 17, which I get like maybe overall when these guys hit their ceiling, he's a 17th plus player, but like he's ready to go right now in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, he's going to get playing time uh, and he could break out. He's got lots of power. Um, low K rate, not bad. Um, and then down here, you know, yeah, he's like game, ball. yeah, sorry, bat to ball. I should have, I, I kind of misspoke there. You're right. Bat more bat over power. Um, but, you know, Petey Halpin back down here, speedy guy. I remember when he was drafted, it was fun. Tanner Burns, our old uh, co-host David Gasper, loved Tanner Burns uh, down here as well with um, Carson Tucker, uh, Cole Tucker's brother. Fun, fun guys all around the system. It's just it's fantastic. Um, anybody else catch your eye that you kind of want to talk about here with the Guardians before we we sign off? Yeah, I'm looking at some of these names down here. I um, can I remember Aaron Bracco. I haven't heard about him in a while. Um, I I'm interested in. Gosh, I wonder what Tanner Burns if he can regain some of what he had before. I mean, health health has been such a problem with him. Um, but I think I, I think the the most important thing to notice is that any of these guys like. Justin Campbell, who they drafted and who's gigantic, and uh, who's the other? Oh, Parker Messick. These are guys who can just, you know, their whole their whole arsenal can just take such a leap. So they're so important to to sort of just see what happens with them uh, as soon as you know two months into the season, they can make a jump. And I think it's important to watch watch what they can do because, you know, Campbell with his frame and he doesn't throw hard, but 
these are the kind of, these are the projects like it's like well then let's draft this like beautiful athletic freak you know like let's and let's see what we can do with him and um like you can have another Tanner Bybee do you know what I mean like you turn around and boom a guy he's like a no shit top 100 prospect now who was a fifth round pick just pops so I think it's I think it's good to look at see what Campbell and and Messick can be. You know, these are guys who, you know, do you remember when Shane Bieber was drafted? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's like a back of the rotation starter. He's like a soft tosser. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, like a top five starter when he's healthy. So yeah. it's wild what they can That's do. That's sort of the, the problem, too, to kind of wrap this up with. You know, some guys will look at the system, I think, in Dynasty and say, well, if you're a Cleveland Guardians pitcher, I'm going to take you. But they develop so well that it sort of creates this log jam up front. Like there's mm-hmm. really no way to get to the big leagues right now unless there's injuries and stuff like that. And even then, like if you're a Gavin Williams or a Daniel Espino, you're still going to like it's going to take some time. You're not going to just jump up like, let's say, Andrew Painter might for the Phillies. Um, they take a long time to get to the big league. So be careful with that. But it's still a very sound strategy to just go ahead and pick up guys that look, you know, the part, like you mentioned, uh, athletic freak yeah. with Campbell, um, guys that have utmost control. Like they have a, a good, a great skill, a good to great skill with perhaps limited, you know, seemingly limited other skills that the, the guardians can bump up because that seems to be the, the past, and uh, you're better off betting on the past than you are with like the Royals and hoping that they just magically turn it around for you with your one guy you got for free on Dynasty. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? I think similarly to the to the uh, last thing I'll say is that similarly to the Rays, the Guardians, obviously a little bit better, but the Guardians don't sign extensions that much. So the thing you have to realize, too, is that there's there's probably going to be more turnaround. You have to be patient. Obviously, like like you said, it's like these they don't. They don't rush a lot of these arms up because they have great arms. Um, but, you know, Espino will get a shot to do this, and it just might be later than most of us want. Um, and also with his injuries, it's, it's, it's um, it would yeah. be prudent for them to. Uh, his to injury time. scares me a lot. Like, yeah. how, how, yeah. how high yeah. do you put Espino? I actually would take several other pitching prospects ahead of him because guys that throw that hard and have injuries scare me a lot. Yeah, I think he's probably in the second tier for me because um, I just think the stuff is so absolutely nasty. I, you know, I think if Painter and Yuri Perez and um, and Grayson are in a tier, I think that he's probably in that next tier um, with, um, you know, Bobby, Bobby. I'm not looking at a list, but Bobby Miller. Right, no, sorry. And no, it's fine. Bobby Miller and he, I, I think he's probably somewhere in like the 30s for me, maybe. But I still yeah. think he's a top 10 pitching prospect just because it's like when it's on, it's 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 disgusting. Now, we obviously we've been burned. Fool me once, fool me twice, fool me a million times. It's like we still go back to the well because when we see it work, it just it all looks so good. But um, I, I do think that with with the Guardians org, that hopefully that he can shake he can shake these little things that keep happening to him and. Um, truly be an ace for them like be the next Bieber or whatever yeah well if there's an organization that's gonna kind of figure out how to cure injuries it's probably the Guardians. so definitely not I can't fault anybody for going after an Espino but just uh 
you know, in another organization, I might be a little bit more concerned. But anyway, yeah, no, that makes Adam, sense. totally right. Totally fair. And and Williams, there's something about Williams that is maybe like, you know, I don't want to say safer because no pitcher is safe. But with the frame and with with how he how he throws, it's like, oh, maybe Williams yeah. is a safer bet. And you like sort of you put your risk where you, you know, where you want it. Yeah, I take I take uh, Williams over Espino in a vacuum. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Well, Adam, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's actually the first time we've talked as well, so it's it's been nice getting to know you here. You definitely know your stuff. I'm very impressed with uh, the knowledge you're able to throw down on here. So welcome to the crew. Anything that you wanted to push here, uh, maybe give a, your Twitter handle, anything that you're working on as we uh, close up shop here? Sure. Thanks, Alex. It's good to talk to you, too. Um, uh, the next article I'm working on is sort of a, a little bit of a state of the system, and it's going to sort of talk about how the Royals need to spend money. <laughs> um, but I want them to do what the Texas Rangers have been doing uh, as in last offseason and what before them, what the Phillies did. Um, uh, it doesn't always work. Like you can't just buy free agents. Uh, you know, it's but the but Texas noticed that there was a dev problem. Uh, or I think that they noticed that because the, for whatever reason, like pitchers weren't developing and this is a similar problem with the Royals. So I'm going to be sort of touching on, hopefully touching on um, how they can sort of get themselves back to relevance rev- uh, sooner. And um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Adam Halpin, just my name, A-D-A-M-H-A-L-P-I-N. And um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. That's going to do it for us here on Futures Focus. My name, Alex Sanchez. Thank you so much to Kurt and to Adam for coming on, talking about their prospects. Sorry for the little bit longer of an episode. Hopefully nobody's complaining, but we will be back next week, continuing our progress here on the top 50 list for each division. This is the Futures Focus podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. We'll see you next time. Thank you.